Hello everyone, welcome to uh, another one of our interviews with the Rufbik. Um Tonight we will be tackling or attempting to tackle a tough topic. The question of the problem of evil has been one of the biggest questions in Jewish philosophy. Now, ironically, at the same time, through Tanakh, through Midrashim, what's interesting is we find that the biggest examples uh, that we have of Bale and Munna, the most faithful, actually ask this question. Avraham says, Yermia, who saw maybe more suffering than almost anyone in Tanakh, says, Moshe Rabbeinu, according to the Medrash, also questioned and asked this question. And the, the presumed reason for the irony is that um, as, as Ovde Hashem, we are both committed to um, accepting and believing that Kodesh Baruch Hu is all-powerful and all-good. Yet, at the same time, we're also committed to wanting there to be no evil in the world, wanting suffering to stop, wanting bad things not to happen. So, due to our aspiration to do both these things, um, Ravik has very kindly agreed to join us tonight, give up his time and share his wisdom with us on this or these topics in general. Sadik Viralo, why do bad things happen in the world? And general problems of suffering and the existence of evil in the world. Um, before we start, one quick technical point. I have muted everyone, or at least I think I've muted everyone. Um, that doesn't mean you're not part of the conversation. If at any point someone wants to ask a question or follow up a point which has been made, feel free to send me a, send me a private uh, message on the chat. No promises, but I will do my best to um, make sure to bring up your question or at least to take the conversation in the right direction. Ravik, thank you very much, like I said, for joining us. Um, I'm going to get straight down to, to business. Um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is good. He is omniscient. He's omnipotent. Yet it seems to be that evil exists. How do we resolve these uh, these uh, apparently contradictory facts. Question. From the short list that uh, that you gave, you give a list of people who asked the question. You didn't give a list of anyone who answered the question. So I guess we can, uh, first of all, conclude that uh, it's easier to ask than it is to answer. Not only didn't they answer, but they don't appear, they don't appear to get an answer. The Medrash that you referred to by Moshe Rabbeinu claims that of any night Kvodecha, the meaning was Tzadik Veraldo, and the answer to Kashbochu was Adam no answer. Yumiyo asked, and there's basically no answer. So you left one person out of your list. That's Eov. There seems to be an answer in Eov, but we can tell that it's not a clear answer since every single Mephavish in Eov explains it differently. Um, it's a long book. There's an answer. There's some sort of an answer at the end. Uh, but apparently uh, it's not easy to give an answer. It's very important to have one Akhtam before we discuss this question. 
that is the question is asked by two in two different contexts. The context we're doing now is is a philosophic Zoom uh, Zoom meeting. I'm sitting on my couch, comfortable. We're talking theory. We're talking theology. It's called theodicy, the defense of God. That's one context, and you can give important um, understandings, important insights, I think, into the question. There's a totally different context where this question is sometimes asked, and that's in the hospital room. That's in, that's in, in a person asks it who's being tormented. It's very important to understand that whatever we're going to discuss now, I wouldn't say it's irrelevant, but it doesn't fully weigh, it doesn't fully bear the weight of someone who's asking, where is the justice that I am suffering, the lack of whose presence I am suffering from? That's a very, very important hakdam. We're going to discuss uh, ideas. There's a certain distance, a certain gap between ideas as what I think as rational as they are and, and human existential suffering. People, people suffer. You tell them, well, you know, I give you a vote. May not, probably will not fully even answer the existential question. We're not asking tonight. We're not asking existential questions. Um, we're giving highlights. We're giving pathways towards understanding. True understanding can only come from someone who grapples with it himself and under difficult situations. And I'm frankly very happy that I'm not personally grappling with another very difficult situation. Thank God for Hashem. And as we say on Yom Kippur, that will be one that Kishboch will do a lot of things first. So that's that, that's an important act up. In case somebody says, ah, oh, I'm being flippant, I'm not taking it seriously enough. Right, I'm not taking it seriously enough. Explaining a philosophical idea, which is never quite sufficient, shouldn't be sufficient, can't be sufficient to really explain in the end the answer that does appear to be the answer. You know, that we should sometimes just be quiet and accept what's there. It's a very, very important part of the question. There's an expression that appears in Chazal sometimes about, uh, about something similar. Kishpoch says, Shtok! Some things cannot be explained in context. To explain a particular evil. To explain why this, why that. Uh, the explanations we're going to give are, are going to be a little bit feeble. That's one very important akdam. Second important akdam. Because we're going to discuss, I think, real ideas. But it's very important to know this akdam. Ban asked the kasha of Sadiq Baralam. In Sefer Torah Adam. Sefer Torah Adam is a halachic word. But the Ramban at the end, it's not a shah hagmul. Uh, discusses justice, discusses punishment, reward and punishment, discusses Olam Haba. Um, it's an interesting idea. The Ramban's book is about the laws at the end of death. It begins with Biko Cholin. Then it has mostly Hilchas Avelis. And after Hilchas Avelis, it has Lobudu Kalachot, but it has what happens after Avelis. Talks about talks about Olam Haba. Ramban asks the question of Tzadik Baralo. He gives, I think, I think, five or six answers. Each one he says, this is a good answer, but ah, you'll say, no, it doesn't quite cover everything. So I'll give you another answer. And he says, ah, it doesn't quite cover everything. I'll give you another answer. Finally, he gets to an answer which he says is sod, meaning in the Ramban, Kabbalah. He doesn't explain it very well. And then he says, you may not even like that answer. So the end, there's still a few things which we haven't quite covered. Tosef Tavamuna. Sadiq, who 
ve'ein ava lefanav. Tzadiku Hashem, I accept that if God does it, it must be right. Then the Ramban says the father. He says, if you're telling me in the end that to understand the real life situation of Sadiq Baralo, I need to have Bitochen, I need to have Amuna, and to accept something which I don't understand, then why did you waste my time? The Ramban says, you ask me. Why did you waste my time with all those answers? Since in the end, it won't work unless I also have Bitochen. None of the answers was 100% fulfilling. So why did we discuss them? Ramban makes a very, very important point about Machshab in general, and specifically about the most difficult question of Machshab, the Pama of Theodicy, the Pama of Tzadik Barala. Ramban says, I've given you answers, which now, when you then rely on Emunah, but it will be mitoch chokhmah, below miderech haksilin. That to understand a problem, and that's part of the basis for your emuna, is derech chokhmah. And to simply say, I believe because I believe, Ramban says, is derech haksilin, the way of the foolish. And therefore, this trying to understand models which help us approach, but not that completely eliminate the question of evil in the world is combined with emuna, combined with faith in God, is derech ha The Ramban says that's worthy in and of itself. That's what, we, that's, that, that's what we are commanded to do when we deal with God in the world. Okay? That's the Akdama. Now what do you want to know? Now you want to know the answer? In short, yeah. Oh. All right, we can't do the answer in two minutes. But um, we can we can try to we can try to draw the the directions. It's pretty famous. People know uh, today there's a lot of tension involving uh, theodicy, involving justifying God's way in the world. Many people, some smart, some less smart, uh, have abandoned the quest. They've said, uh, you can't give any good answer, so you shouldn't even bother. I'm not too sympathetic to that, and I'll explain why. And the Rav said it in, in the, the article called Kodudu Defek. The Rav said there is that Judaism is not concerned with the philosophy of evil, it's concerned with the response to evil. What's important isn't how could God do it. That, uh, presumably God, God has a reason. But the question is, what do we do? What's our response to evil? That I think is a really, really, really important point. We're never going to understand how God made his particular decision. In many cases, I, as an intelligent person, would have decided differently. I think in almost all the cases. In other words, I, I, I understand the basic idea of why sometimes it's good to hurt somebody, it's good for them. I'm a parent, I punished my children. I'm a teacher, punish. I torture my students occasionally. Uh, and the reason is because it's good for them. But I don't come close to what I wouldn't even imagine I could ever do what God does on a regular basis to his children. And presumably for good reasons. So, the but so, so philosophically, the answer is we trust in God. In order to respond, what the rabbi is saying is that doesn't say it makes no difference to us. 
It makes a big difference to us. The response to evil is the most crucial question in the attitude of, of, of a Jew, of a, of, of a mamin, to what God does. How you respond to Hashkacha is the reason why Hashkacha exists. God is involved in the world. It's not that the world is Hefka, and that's the answer to the problem of evil. God is involved in the world. He has responsibility for what happens, and therefore we're supposed to decide on some sort of a response. To do that, we have to begin to understand what could possibly be the reason for uh, evil, evil in the world. So, Begadol, there are two basic kishot in, in, in Yiddishkeit, which are uncontradictory. You can definitely uh, juggle the two of them. One of them, most notably the Ramban, the, the, excuse me, the Ramban, is that this world is imperfect by definition. If the world were to be perfect, it wouldn't be the world. It would be God himself. God created a world. Now, that's another question. Why did God create the world? Maybe the same question, but that we know we can't answer. So God wished for there to be a material world. The Rambam's Greek uh, understanding of it, the fact that it's made out of matter, means that it will have faults. But even if you don't understand, even if you don't accept the Rambam's particular Aristotelian philosophy, the point is the world isn't perfect because it's the world. Because only God is perfect. And God desired to have an imperfect world. So imperfections are part of the fabric of the world. That's, that's the Ramban's basic, basic answer. He says injustice is terrible. God doesn't do injustice. But the, the condition for us as humans, as limited beings, the condition that we exist is that, we, is that we exist in a limited, imperfect world. I would add to that, this, doesn't, this is not in the, in the Rambam, but I would add to that because, again, you'll probably, you, you, I think it's legitimate to ask the question, why did God create a, a, a limited world? Why did God create an imperfect world? Isn't that also a kind of evil? If God is, as you said, omnipotent, uh, omniscient, and, uh, and good, he should have made a better world. He should have made a perfect world. So this, we, we have an answer, which I'm going to write, I'm going to say that in two seconds, but it's, 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 it's worthy of a year, okay? God made an imperfect world so that the imperfect world should perfect itself. This is basic in Yiddishkeit. The world, of course, is imperfect. The world is a, it's by definition, not God. It's, it's, it's not terrible, but it's very, Definitely, by comparison to God, very imperfect. And the purpose of creating a world, is that the world, meaning us, meaning humans, perhaps Amisrael, should be improving, should be coming closer to God because that is the reflection of God's majesty in the world. Now that answer, combined with what the Ramam said, gives you one uh, vision, one way of looking at what should be our response to evil? And many cases of evil, not all, but many cases of evil, there's a simple response. The response to evil is to eliminate it. That's a form of perfecting the world. It's crucial in Yiddishkeit to understand that we are not pacifists. You have a, in the world, you have sometimes a philosophy of evil that says one of two things. Evil, evil, either that evil doesn't exist. It's an illusion. Everything God does is good. Some people think that's what it means. Everything God did is for the good. 
Nachamish Gamzu. So Gamzu the Tova. So people think that means he says that ah, it's all good, everything is good. Jews don't believe that. Never have they believed that. If you believe that, you wouldn't fight against it. That's what's called pacifism. Pacifism would be associated with, uh, with the military, but it's a wider philosophy. Don't fight against the world. It's not your job. Because basically, there's nothing to fight against. It's what God wants. And if you're a Maimon, you believe in God, then you accept. We do not accept. You, you mentioned some radical cases of real, of, of where Nevi'im, Yemiyahu cried out to God, Lama derech rashayim tzalecha? He didn't ask why it said he could suffer. He asked why rashayim benefit. But, but, but it annoyed him. It, it, it tore him apart, uh, as well as others. But you could ask it of God, or you could try to do something, but we don't accept it. There's another philosophy that says that, even, that not that evil, evil might exist, but, but it's nothing to do with us. It's... Uh, it's, it's not your problem. Your problem is to uh, behave. There's a Yisod in Yiddishkeit to Vyal Taharami Kirbecha. There's a Yisod in Yiddishkeit to Takein Olam Machut Shakai. There's a Yisod in Yiddishkeit that you have to let Takein it call Olam Kulo. That we don't, we don't suffer evil. If you just view it and you don't do anything about it, it's almost equivalent to you having done it yourself. So on the one hand, we take evil really seriously. If you have stood next to evil and done nothing about it, whether it's happening to you or happening to somebody else, the more important case is happening to somebody else. Someone is sick and you don't help him. Someone is naked and you don't clothe him. Someone is hungry and you don't feed him. Then you've, 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 you've blown the meaning of existence. There's no reason why you should exist other than to make the world better. So the first, and therefore, many, many cases of evil could be explained. Now I'm going back to theology. The theological explanation of many cases of evil is similar to the theological explanation for why God made an imperfect world, so that we should fix it. And sometimes he makes a more imperfect world. Someone is suffering. Why? Why? The answer is so that you should help him out. Now I know there's a moral question involved. Is that justified? So that I should become a better person, he should suffer? So that I should be a lachum, he should be hungry. So that I should give staka, he should be poor. Theology, I, I believe in theology. We should think about that question. But the, the practical answer is, that God is justified in introducing problems because problems require and demand that we fix them. We ameliorate them, and the amelioration of the problems, the improvement of the world, the perfection of the world, in the direction of God, to be more like God. Is is the reason why the world was created. It, it's what you can do that's good, and therefore it comes out. The, the, the simple sentence, which may sound shocking, is that evil is a necessary ingredient in good. Because good isn't not doing evil. Good is eliminating evil. If you have to have it there so that you can eliminate it. That's one. That's one explanation. In other words, this world is made, to be, is made imperfect because God wants people to perfect it. Can I ask a small question on that approach? Which I think will be... It might be, I think it'll be on a lot of people's minds. And the truth is, I think you answered it in the middle of everything, but I just want to come back to it. 
is that's fine, but why do we need that much imperfection? Okay, so first of all, I've been very told not to ask that question. In other words, uh, uh, what you're asking now when you say that much is you're asking an, 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 an existential question. Uh, the Rambam, incidentally, in the third chayat of the introduces the discussion of the by first of all saying there's less evil than people think. In other words, he was concerned about your question. So he tried to lower the tension. He said, if you really look, it's true that when you're drowning, you probably don't uh, remember how many good things there are in the world. He says, if you objectively weigh the world, you realize that 99% of it is good. And that doesn't make a difference. God is infinitely perfect, so he shouldn't even allow 1%. The Bible is interested in lowering the degree of tension. He has a very nasty thing to say about people who think that the world is a pile of dirt. He says they're crazy. He says these are people who have just their whatever, for whatever reason, perhaps because they suffer too much, perhaps because they're naturally, uh, they're, 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 they're naturally twisted. They don't realize how much good there is in the world. But in any event, it's true that Ram introduces that, but that's, I, I claim not to talk about that. Because now you ask the question, I hear this theory, but I don't see how it explains my, or his, or even our particular situation. In theory, the theory I just gave is, has infinite application. Because, I'll, I'll explain why. Now, this is something I'm saying very glibly. If people want to accuse me of being, oh, really, you really take that seriously? They're correct. But in theory, I'm right. The more evil, the more suffering there is in the world, the more opportunity there is to fix it. So, therefore, it's philosophically illegitimate to say, I think that 10 pounds of evil could be explained by the theory I just presented, but 20 pounds not. The answer is that 10 pounds of evil produces, hopefully, challenge was, would produce 10 pounds of fighting against of evil, produce 20 pounds of fighting against evil, which is even better. So in theory, which couldn't call a, uh, which couldn't require, which couldn't demand, which couldn't provide the opportunity for a greater degree of amelioration. There is a psychological question. Someone might claim that you can describe certain cases which he doesn't think can be fixed. So th that might be true. Because I gave one example. I gave a simple example. The world is imperfect. You're supposed to perfect it. Perfection isn't always fixing the thing itself. In other words, if uh, you know the Medrash about Rabbi Akiva and Tunisufus, Tunisufus said, Mitzvah Mila, you're, you're messing up God's world. God made man a certain way, and you're, and you're changing him. So Akiva said, Tunisufus, which is better? Bread or wheat? He said, Bread. He said, Why are you messing up God's world? God made wheat. The answer is, God gave us A and told us to make it better. Um, so that's definitely a lot of the cases. But sometimes, and this is actually the second answer, which should be into the second kibbutz, sometimes the response to evil may not be to fix it because I can't. In other words, uh, something is taking place and there is no way to fix it. God sometimes does things which are beyond our ability to ameliorate. But there are other ways to produce good out of evil. It might be internal. In other words, uh, certain midot and ushiyot, certain human characteristics, which are good, which are great, greatly good, 
can only exist in the face of evil, to take the most extreme opposite case, uh, perseverance. I don't do anything. I can't do anything, but I don't give up. Now, when you read, I mean, you, you require a novelist, a great, you know, a great author to really make us understand these things. And I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a mediocre philosopher, but a terrible, a terrible novelist, a terrible person, uh, a literary uh, describer. But, but I've read books where you, your eyes are opened to how a certain person was able to exhibit the koach to suffer. What does it mean to suffer? Not to suffer, to, to suffer someone else. To bear, to bear a burden is majesty. To bear a burden is good. Now, sometimes people don't like it, I, 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 especially if they're suffering. Yeah, it's called in it's called in Chazal Lomidoshach Someone who's suffering, let's say, oh, great dear, you know, so noble. See someone who suffers in silence between you and me. I'd rather I'd rather not suffer, not the silence. And and the Chazal quote that they're saying it admiringly. They're not saying that oh, the person has failed. There is you know the, the, there are two sides here, but nonetheless, there are many different uh, responses. So the response, the, the first response I said, the first theory was the human response to evil. God creates evil so that we should eliminate. There are other possible responses. This is really the second theory. I'll say it very, very quickly. Uh, in a less extreme manner, certain human qualities, certain midotovot, not human actions, but midotovot, are meaningless unless they're in the context of, of a problem. For instance, courage. Courage is a midotovot. A person who has courage is better than a person who's a coward. But if there are no enemy. If there are no dangers, then there is no courage. So in the language of maknim banefesh. If you've never done anything, then you don't have a you don't have a human characteristic. If 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 you've never seen sorrow, you don't know what it means to comfort. If you've never seen suffering, you don't know what it means to immediate. If you've never suffered yourself, you don't know what it means to be to have forbearance, to be courageous. Be a gibol, ezu gibol, who can who can carry a weight. If there's no weight on your shoulders, then then you're not strong. Uh, it's similar. It's it's very similar to the first derech I, I said. But here it's on a more basis. God challenges individuals, not because He wants the world to be better. He wants the people to be better. And for you to develop as an obeyed Hashem, you have to be challenged. Any mechanech knows this. We give we give. I used to be Mahanech. We give difficult challenges to students. Parents, if they're good parents, they don't lay out the roses in front of their children. They challenge them. They make it difficult. They insist on being difficult because only through difficulty can a person develop at least some of the midot that we're familiar with. I mentioned generosity. I mentioned courage. I mentioned forbearance. Certain midot, the midot banefesh, require overcoming or fighting or developing something which can only take place in a challenging in a challenging circumstances. Now here your question is even better. Okay, I understand that, but really? We need for there to be fires and hurricanes and, and death and destruction. You can do it probably in somewhat smaller ways. I, as a parent, don't throw my kid off a cliff and tell him to swim. I uh, push him into a little pool and tell him to swim, right? Uh, I mentioned in the beginning, I'm not explaining individual cases. 
it, it would appear that in any given situation, any theory that I will for, formulate will probably, if you're sensitive to what goes on in the world, you'll be aghast. In theory, my theory can explain any case because more danger will develop more courage. More suffering will develop more forbearance. More problems will develop in people who respond. More gvura. How much? How much can one aspire to? It's We're aspiring to perfection. Therefore, there's a, a human being has the ability to be infinite like God. Infinitely courageous, infinitely forbearing, infinitely strong, infinitely dedicated, infinitely committed, infinitely generous. Rachum b'chanun, like him. Ma'hu rachum rachum. Doesn't mean you should be like him. It means you should be the same. And for that, if you've only had to deal with, we, we basically did pretty well. Most of us. We haven't really suffered that much. How much rachmanis do you have? You, know, you saw a little kid walking in the street and he fell down and hurt his knees. He felt sorry. He helped him out. The amount of sorrow that you show, the amount of pity that you show for a child who scraped his knees in the street is very impressive. It's better than if he didn't have it. It doesn't begin to compare to the Rachmanut which is required, which, which God shows to the world. You need to have to suffer more. You need to, uh, to, to, to bear more suffering in order to develop more and more. So in theory, there is no gvul. There's a, but some days when some of the Talmudim who are here today will eventually come back to Shivat HaRetzion. Remind me, I will take you, I'm not sure you can find this on the shelf, there's a book in the, in the Sifriyah of the, of the, of the, uh, of the Michlala that I told him to buy. A couple of years ago, the Bachon became a Michlala. They became an academic institution, so they were required to buy books. So they bought hundreds of books because you had to have a good library. That's, that was the rule. Didn't make a difference what? I mean, obviously tried to get good books though. But they simply bought books like the way you buy the way you buy bagels. So I knew it was a great opportunity. It was a book I wanted to read. I read a book you wanted to read it. So I read I said, order this book. They ordered the book. After it came, it was a book written by a Christian about the problem of evil. That's not that's okay. I don't think that was a problem. It had a cover, it was a paperback. The cover you can't put on the shelf in the uh Shibatar itself. Uh, it, it for a Christian, the ultimate example of suffering, there's a particular individual who who, uh, who suffered greatly, uh, the way they understand it. And he was on the cover. Right? I think it was nice. So they, either they put a brown paper bag on the book or they hid it someplace. But I read the book. The point, the, the, the first chapter of the book said, I, the author said, I know all the theories of the problem of evil, but I will now, and he gave you cases. He didn't say, oh, I feel this more, more evil than can be explained. He said, I will give you a case which happened and I don't think you can tell me what good can come out of that case. I'm not even going to tell you the case. I still remember to the sake because it's really hard. I think it was a true story. So again, I'm not going to explain every case. In theory, I can explain any case. Practicality, if it happened to me. So, uh, you know, I had a cold. I know why God gave me a cold. I wanted to see if I would still, if I still live when I had a headache. I failed the test, but it was a good, it was a good idea. At some point, I'm gonna, I know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna develop a good response. At some point, I'm gonna break. Very interesting medrash in uh, the beginning of Lech Lecha. God sent a Ra'av, a Ra'av Ba'aretz. Right, that's the first place where Chazal say it was a Nisayan. Later on, they count 
There's no, there's no count in the Medrash. The Medrash says, There's no list. You have to try to guess. We know the last one was the Akedah. The one that's mentioned is, Medrash says, he just got there, he just got that cell, and then next day he had to leave. Big, big desire. The others you have to guess about. Um, so there the Medrash has a certain presentation about Nisayon. The Medrash says the following thing. God, Bahashkacha. What's a Nisayon? Nisayon is, is, it demands of you to deal with a certain measure of evil. Being commanded to sacrifice your son was a great situation of evil for Baba Bino. He suffered for three days. Yes. If he had done it, he would have suffered more. Yes. Yitzhak was suffering. God, God put Abba Mabino in a situation that was torturous. That's called the Nisayan. Maybe it says that God, only subjects people to trials which they are capable of passing. Doesn't mean they're guaranteed to pass it. But they're capable of passing. Recognizing that if I take the average person and ask him to be a superhero, he doesn't have a practical way to do it. He, he doesn't have the training. He doesn't have to, you have to do it slowly. That's what it means. He didn't start with the Akedah. The greatest Jews, would, if he started with the Akedah, he would have failed. No chance. God sent him Nisayon A, which was Nisayon B, you have to go to Mitzrayim. Another eight, don't know what they are exactly, you can guess, this story, that story, Stone, etc., 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 and the tenth one, the greatest of them all, was the was the Akedah. And then the and the Midrash says as follows: Dabar Amelech also had a Rav. And then the the, the, the Pasha there explains really why it happened, but how Dabar Beno dealt with it. But the Midrash says it was late; it was supposed to come earlier. I don't know how the Midrash knows this. This Va'av, this famine, should have taken place in the days of Shaul Amelech, not the Amelech. So why did it take place the Amelech? Kevan Shara'ad Shaul. Shaul should forgive me for this expression, but it's not mine, it's Chazal's. Shayaki Grufit Shel Shikma. Shikma is a, perhaps a sycamore tree. It sounds like the same words. I think that's what it is. I don't know what a sycamore tree is either. So it's some tree. It grows in, in, in the Negev. And the, uh, the Shikma is a very brittle tree. It doesn't bend in the wind. So this, I, I've seen this. They, they take people to show them to see what the other measure understood it. Any place where there's a shikma tree in the desert, in the Negev, underneath it are broken branches. Every time the wind blows, branches break. It's very brittle, and the slightest bend, it snaps. Kashpochu said about Shaolam Melech, this is interesting for those of you who are interested in Tanakh, Shahu Ayaki Grufit Shel Shikma. It snaps easily. And therefore, God did not bring the famine in his days because it would have been pointless. So that's also a matter of faith. You have to believe. That if God is subjecting you to a Nisayan, it's because God has faith in you. God thinks you can do it. That might be encouraging. It might be, might be frustrating. Uh, and again, sometimes we say, you know, maybe we could find an easy way to do this. Like, why do we have to do this? Why can't we just find some other way? But, okay, that's part of the Vitacha. That God knows what he's doing. To, to, to sum up. Uh, and again, I'm saying, this is theory. There are two theories here. They're very similar. One is that imperfection, not necessarily evil, but evil is a form of imperfection. Imperfection is built into the fabric of the world. The basic reason is so that we should get rid of it. The second thing says that moral virtues, many moral virtues, maybe even all of them, moral virtues can only exist where they're being tested, where I'm responding, 
Not that the response is important. Not that I have to fix things. But I can only become sympathetic if there's something to demand of me sympathy. I can only become courageous if there's a danger in front of me. I can only become strong if I have to lift heavy weights. And therefore, God sends us these, that's what it's called, Nisayon, in this theory, challenges. And Gabriel now wants to ask, challenges? We're talking about huge evils. We're talking about, about thousands of people being killed in a tsunami. We're talking about terrible suffering. We're talking about famines and diseases. And It's a challenge. It's a very big challenge, bigger than I would have expected. Yes, in the, in the end, the Ramban said, if you don't have a measure, if you don't have a deep measure of Bitochan, you can't even begin to understand the Chachma I said beforehand. But if you don't have the Chachma beforehand, you won't even, your, 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 your Bitochan won't make any sense. So the combination of the two is what leads us. Now I want to repeat what, what I said in the beginning about the Rav. So I think it is true, as opposed to what the Rav actually says in Matadech, in Kodri Dufei. In, in, uh, he says, we don't care about the why. So it, it could be that Halacha doesn't care about the why. But Jewish philosophy cares about the why. The why helps us to know the what. The Bible says you don't care about the why, you care about the what. What should I do? I don't know why God brought the coronavirus, but I do know, I try to know what I should do. What I should do is, I don't know, do tshuva. What I should do is find a way to dive in with kabana even in my house. I should find a way to learn the Zoom. There are all kinds of things you should do, clearly, and you only discover them because you're in a situation. But to understand what, what you should do, I think the theory that I said is important. It, it pushes us to that thing, to realize that because otherwise you won't come to that conclusion. You won't say it's what I should do. You'll say, oh, God is terrible. And that's, a, that's us to say. Or you'll say that there is no Hashkacha purpose. It's Tama Magaifa. And then there's nothing I have to do. I just have to wait till it's over. If you understand that everything is Yad Hashem and that there must be a good reason for it, what could be that good reason? Well, there are a lot of possibilities. So then we can, do, we can debate, we can discuss, we can try to figure out what the possibilities are. But all those possibilities lead us to the what? What should I be doing in response to evil? Which is really the, which is really the important question. And what I shouldn't be doing in response to evil, which is to say that, let the invalid dayan. Whatever happens, happens. It's not between me and God. It's not between God and the world, which is perhaps the response of modern uh, humanity. Uh, it's not to say that it's good and let's just accept it and enjoy it, which is the response of certain uh, kinds of Eastern philosophies, India, Buddhism specifically, a little bit of Hinduism as well. Uh, we should say that, gee, this is bad and I have to do something about it. What I have to do about it? If I can fix it, I fix it. If I can learn to live with it, I learn to live with it. If I become a better person because I've dealt with it, then I will become a better person because I've dealt with it. That can only arise if you have the proper Hashkafic uh, attitude uh, before. To have the perfect Hashkafic attitude before, and you have to find a way not to be depressed. You have to find a way not to be broken by evil. And that's why I think that the, 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 the different attitudes in Jewish philosophy are important to understand and understand them much better than could possibly take place because we've been smoothing for, for, for 20 minutes. Uh, this is something which requires, I think, personally, by his deep understanding because you need to understand it well enough to be able to develop a proper response. Not that you need to be smart. You don't need to be philosophic. Most of us require a certain measure of philosophic understanding in order not to, when it really becomes hard, not to uh, have the wrong response, not to be broken, not to be miyuash, not to be uh, 
not to be despondent, not to give up, not to, to, but, to but to handle evil in a manner which will reflect um, if I could ask two very quick follow-up questions which have come in on the side. Essentially, the two arguments which, or the two approaches which you've presented um, basically are both about imperfection, are both about perfecting imperfection. One about perfecting the imperfection of the world in general or the world around us and one about perfecting personal imperfections building one's character it's called perfection of the soul perfection of the soul now first of all what happened it's it's good that you mentioned the akeda because the akeda has a happy ending in the end of the day yitzchak wasn't slaughtered but there are many, many cases of suffering, and I'm sure people are thinking about Holocaust and all the kind of cases which come to mind when we discuss these things, which don't have that happy ending. How can it be character building if the character no longer exists at the end of the story or exists in such a decimated way that there is that 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 character cannot can no longer be uh, improved? If I could add, add another question, just because. Um, you didn't mention one of the most popular um, approaches to this question. I'm wondering whether you consider it to be included in one of the ones which you mentioned or you, you don't rate it much. And that is the free will argument. That for people to be free, um, they have to have the possibility of doing evil. They have to be allowed to do evil. Does that fit in with what you're saying or is that an alternative approach? It's a small but very important part. The, 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 uh, the free will defense, as it's called, explains a certain section of evil in the world. It explains why people can do evil. That's not what most people think of when they speak of, you, you're the one who said Sadiq Farada. So Sadiq Farada could be how come, how come bad people can shoot Sadiq. But we usually think of his wife Sadiq and sick. In other words, the, the, in, in, I, I, I skipped the free will defense because I thought that it's 100% correct and most people understand it. Um, for me to be able to develop as a moral individual, I have to have the ability to do evil. And God could have created the world that every time I shoot, only bad people would get hit and, and good people would, would not. But if that was true, I would never shoot. And I wouldn't have any benefit. There'd be no mitzvah to shoot the bad people and no avera to shoot the good people because it wouldn't happen. And so that's true. And that's an important part. That's probably the first step. I just skipped ahead of that. Because I don't have enough time. Uh, it's my bedtime soon. Um, after you finish the good, the, 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 the free will defense, you're then left with all the evil that God does. And God isn't doing evil because he has free will. He's doing evil because he chooses to do evil. Uh, and that, I thought, was a more crucial question. That's what Eo was concerned about. No bad people were tormenting Eo. God was tormenting Eo. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, the questions then coalesce because to a certain extent, it's true that every individual needs the ability to do evil, but God can still somehow, is still responsible for what goes on. So the two, the two things merge together, but it's an important point. There's no question I had no intention of skipping it. Uh, I simply moved on quickly uh, to the things which are more shocking. Um, terrible things take place in the world, we blame people for them. That's, that's a good answer, but they can't play everything. Most, many, many evil things, many terrible things, many things that are hugely evil, 
people aren't really responsible for, at least not directly. Because I know that because we have old style refrigerators, we cause global warming even for the tornadoes, but but uh, that's not morally justified. So we need to blame God for that. We need not to blame God for that. And uh, well, not to blame God for that, we have to know that he's doing it for a good reason. We have to know in theory what could be the good reason without necessarily knowing what the good reason is right now. Avram, daven for the people of Sodom to be saved. We often daven for evil to stop in the world. If it's a crucial part of the world for its improvement, why do we do that? Or is that just part of the improvement? Evil exists so that we daven for it to be removed. There are two things you can do about evil. One is you can wipe it out. And two is you can try to, well, let's talk about evil people. There are two things you can do about evil people. One is you can shoot them. And two is you can reform them. That tension, because they're really opposites. One is Vachmanis and one is, one is Din and one is Vacham. That tension is very, very, very much found in Chazal. Right? Everyone knows the story of uh, Rabbi Meir and his wife. People who were tormenting Rabbi Meir in his neighborhood, certain, I don't know, villains, certain hooligans were tormenting Rabbi Meir. He prayed for their destruction. His wife said, You should pray that they should do tshuva. And he did, and they did tshuva. Very nice. Avraham uh, Avinu, the fact that God is destroying stone is a good thing. We didn't even talk about this today because it doesn't really bother most people. Rasha Veralo, basically we think is a good thing. That's what most Jewish philosophers say, almost all. So that God wipes out stone, we should applaud. But Avraham Avinu doesn't. So in the Pshat of the Pesukim, not so bad. He says, maybe there are Tzadikim there. So he's not going to applaud for killing the Tzadikim. But Chazal didn't understand that though. Chazal understood that Abba Binu knew they were Rishayim, and he was trying to save the Rishayim. And not only did he try to do that, but the Medrash says in the beginning of Lechacha that that is why Abba Binu was chosen to be the father of the Jewish people and the person, the herald of, of, of uh, God's presence in the world. Because Ahafta Tzedek Vesaneita Rasha, and Chazal explained that passage, doesn't mean that you love justice and you hated evil, but you love to justify and you hated to convict the Lahashia. And Avraham Avinu went out and said, I know they're evil, but let's find a way to save them. So there's obviously a great, very essential. This is why Avraham Avinu was chosen, says the Medrash there. That's why God, That's why you chose it. He anointed you above because of that trait. And the other had to take total opposite case. Daven every day. We pray for the destruction of evil. Uh, it's a difficult bracha. I think I would have said that any morally sensitive person should have some problems with that bracha. How much do we identify with the destruction of evil. There's a passage that says, We're happy when Rishayim are killed. On the other hand, 
We know the Medrash that says, Kashwaku says to the Malachim, Do you actually have Vina? Do you say Shiva when evil people drown? Both sides are true. There is a Midat Tova of God that is Sadik Vitovlo Rasha Viralo. Justice. If we lived in a world where nothing bad happens to good people, but nothing bad happens to bad people either, everybody's happy. That would be an unjust world and it wouldn't reflect God. It, it, it wouldn't, we wouldn't want to, it wouldn't be the world we want to live in. Not just that, there's a mitzvah. God commands us to do justice. He commands us to make a bet in and to punish the evil people in our own midst. So justice is a midah. It's called din. There is an opposite. I cannot stress more the word opposite. There's an opposite midah, at least practically speaking, opposite called rachamim. We prefer that the evildoers not to do evil, so it won't be necessary to punish them. We also would like to give them a second chance. We also would like to convince them to do tshuva because we know tshuva works. It's not just the two possibilities here. This this tension. It's a real, there's a real contradiction here. Is it muta? There's that one story I quoted said that it was Bruya told her husband, Rabbi Meir, you shouldn't daven for the people who are tormenting you to die. Basically, she said it's us. Itamu chataim belo chotim. I assume Bruya said Shmonesa like I said Shmonesa. We do daven, not the people tormenting you. But say that Laminim Vela Mashinim Machutavisha. We want it to disappear. On Rosh Hashanah, we say both things. Malchut Hashem Olam, the kingdom of God in the world, in the first bracha, the third bracha of Shmonesa, the first place we talk about Malchut, in Birkat Hashem, we say, Bechol, Uchentein Pachtacha. You should appear in the world and eliminate evil. Burn it up. Destroy it. We ask for that. We pray for it. A few lines later, in what we call Malchiyot, which is the second Malchot, which I say, on the middle Bachot, the first Bachot uh, with Kiyot, with Psukim, the Rav demonstrated, it won't go through it, but anyone can just see it. It's clearly true once you look at it. The goal there is We pray that God should bring the world to do tshuva. And that's the true, that's a different kind of malchut. The Rav said it like this, the Rav said that we say two psukim one after the other. It only counts as one. It only counts as one malchus, even though it has twice. So, Usharim Rashechem, Dinasu Pitcheyolom, Ebom Melchakabod. Mio Melchakabod, Shemizuz Vigibor, Shemgibom Chabod. So, Usharim Rashechem, Usau Pitcheyolom, Ebom Melchakabod. Mio Melchakabod, Shem Tzvakot, Melchakabod Sam. So, the first one says, Hinasu. Hinasu means, if God will come, appear at the Sharei. The gates will will be lifted by God's presence. In other words, 
When God appeared at Sinai, everybody, everybody did you. Everyone said, That's not really coming from within. It's like you're being dragged. You're being dragged by the power. You're being dragged by the endless. You're being dragged by the glory. You're being dragged by the majesty. But it's Hinasum. And that Melech HaKavar is Izuz, the Gibor, Gibor Milchama. It's God fighting the book. And of course, succeeding. Second stage is much higher. Su'u, Sha'arim Rashechem, U'su'u, lift yourselves up. That's Melech HaKavar Zalach. So, so we, we have both these things. We definitely prefer um, that evil should cease and evil doers should do tshuva. I think a person has to inculcate in himself the attitude that we hate evil and we want to destroy it. And then maybe not do it. Then find a better way to do it. But if you if you accept, if you, if you have a modus vivendi, if you have a certain ceasefire, you've said, okay, certain amount of evil I can handle. As long as it doesn't bother me too much, then you're not really an Obed Hashem. Evil exists so that we should, so that we should eliminate. At the same time, it would be better if those evildoers who are human beings and valley they should eliminate their own evil by becoming better people. And that is a better thing. But that doesn't mean that we should just say, sometimes you have this, you know, people like they've read too much about tshuva and niceness. Basically, they've read too much Christian literature. So they see evil doers and they say, oh, you know, uh, you should be better. And in the meantime, we'll just suffer you. We'll go along with you. So it's a temporary stage, but we don't, we don't condemn. It's also to condemn evil. Yiddishkeit does not believe in if you don't condemn evil, then you don't hate evil. If you don't hate evil, then you don't believe in justice. If you don't believe in justice, you don't believe in God. We condemn evil. Practically speaking, Sabduya said, better. It's not a simple, it's not a simple situation. You have to both hate it and not, and yet seek to love it. You have to hate evil. You have to hate evil. And therefore, evil doers, people who are on the wrong side, you hate what they're doing. You hate what they stand for. But you know that it's a You know that they have the potential. Just like you have the potential. No difference. We're all created the same way. So you can hate what they are. Know that sometimes you can't avoid this. Sometimes betting kills people. You wipe it out. It's true. Very rare. Probably never happened. In principle, you have to know that it could happen. Because you need to have an attitude that I don't accept evil. I know it exists. I know it's the worst thing in the world. I know that it's the opposite of God. I know that it's, it's an affront to God. I know that it's neged God and it's megarish hashchinam in ha'olam. And therefore, I want to get rid of it. That's, that's what I exist for, to destroy evil. At the same time, for the same reason, the real way to destroy evil is to bring the whole world to be over Hashem. So we have these two that they're they're contradictory. They're, they're not well. They're practically speaking contradictory. Theoretically speaking, they come from the same from the same thing. That only when only when everything is good and there is no evil at all, only then can we say I am Hashem Um. Yeah. Thank you for that. We had uh, quite a lot of follow up questions on the side, but I've just suddenly looked at the clock and. Uh... Time has flown past. 
and I've uh, I promised the next uh, next person on the timetable this week will end on time. Um, maybe one one minute question just to end off. It's a bit of an unfair question, especially to ask uh, to ask right at the end, and that is what you've really been trying to avoid the entire hour, and that is talking about the sufferer themselves. Is that, can you give us just one thought about how the sufferer themselves might respond to uh, the existence of evil? How or whether that would or how it would impact their, their avodah, Sashem? I know, I know it answered the question, but I'm, but I'm fearful of answering it. Because somebody who answers that question is really setting himself up for, uh, it's like a kind of Ayinhara kind of thing. Uh, I think we've all seen, perhaps personally, or read about human beings who were ennobled by their suffering. Now, we all know, perhaps we've seen or read about people who were destroyed by their suffering. Something made them little. Something made them, made them bro broke them. We also know that suffering. There's a certain midatov. I don't want to exaggerate how toba it is. There's a difference in different cultures. Judaism doesn't go overboard in this, but yes, a person who has forbearance and endurance, and despite his suffering, continues to be a human being. To 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 fight for the right, to to stand up and to serve God and to serve what's right. That is is a greatness which isn't found in isn't found to the same degree in the average well-off middle class Obed Hashem who's living in Alonshvot or Tinek and uh, and say to manages to go to a minion three times a day where. It's in a beautiful building, and he doesn't have to drag himself because he can take the car and someone picks him. There's there's a nobility. There's a there's a mida tova that involves simply forbearance, suffering, not suffering in silence, but suffering with nobility, suffering with courage, suffering with strength. I'm so scared to say that because I do not wish to be tested in that manner. Uh, but if I am tested in that manner, I hope that I will succeed, and I know that it will be a great thing if I succeed, but I prefer that Kishmoch will find me other things to, uh, to bear with in the meantime. So that's why, yes, I, I haven't ignored it. I've avoided it, because it's a very dangerous thing to say things which when people like myself, Baruch Hashem, are blessed. So it's sort of superficial to say, wow, I really admire Eov, who did not curse God, even when he had all his children were dead and his body was covered with sores. It's a beautiful thing to read Eov. I, do, I, I don't wish to see whether I could do it. Um, but I should wish to see if I could do it. In any event, it's up to God. God in his wisdom will treat, as I said before, God in his wisdom will test those from the test is good and not test those from the test is not good. But there's no question about it. I think anyone who read the I can't think of a good book offhand. There are, there are innumerable good books which will make someone understand the tense greatness of a person who bears a heavy, who bears a heavy load. Okay. A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, 
it was a thing that you don't hear in yeshiva so much anymore. It was a time, maybe because the people who did it, uh, there's a whole series of great hespedim given yeshiva taretzia. So we had great maspedim. Ruchasim was a great masped. That was a very good masped. There's a whole series. Every two or three years, a gadol would die. And then we'd have a hesped in yeshiva. Um, so a couple of years ago, there was yeshiva of Meir died. And there was a hesped in yeshiva, even though Abu Chassid admitted he didn't know him. The other, the other cases, people who really knew him. But he decided to give hesped anyway because it was important. It was yeshiva of Meir. The yeshiva of Meir, the last 10 years of his life, he used to give every day. He couldn't drag himself up the stairs. He had a terrible, debilitating disease, but he used to like drag himself to get to the thing. And then he had a best for 10 minutes, he would give a share. Because he talked about it. And yes, there's a certain thing which people who are living the good life are going to be missing because they never had to deal with adversity. And dealing well with adversity is one of the greatnesses of man. Or the greatnesses of man who's created in the image of God. God suffers us, so and we have to suffer the world as well. Thank you very much for that. And unfortunately, that brings us to the end of, uh, of this round of questions. Um, like I often say, everyone's been on mute, but I'm sure I speak for everyone when I say uh, thank you very, very much. Not only for, for giving us your time, but also for agreeing to, to discuss this topic. It's definitely not an easy topic to discuss. Um, I'm sure many other people wouldn't have uh, had uh, both the ability and the and uh, had been brave enough to discuss it. So thank you very much for that. To those whose questions I didn't get to on the side, I apologize, but we'll be back. We may be even back uh, about the same topic, or at least about the second half of this topic, which when we finish dealing with the why, there's always the what to discuss when it comes to suffering. But that is it for, for tonight. Uh, on behalf of me and on behalf of everyone, Vic, thank you very, very much for your time and for your wisdom. Okay, call to everybody. We should see each other soon. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.